Happy Pride Month, everyone. While June is officially Pride Month, Circle Surrogacy celebrates the LGBTQIA community every single day. I bet you didn't know that almost half of our parents are part of the LGBTQ community. On today's episode of The Family Circle, I am handing over the hosting to Dean Hutchison, Circle's Vice President of Legal. Dean does a tremendous amount of work advocating for parental laws. Today, Dean is chatting with Kate LeBlanc, the Executive Director of Resolve New England, and Polly Crozier, the Director of Family Advocacy at GLAAD. Dean, Kate, and Polly are discussing the Massachusetts Parentage Act, a bill which ensures parentage statutes are gender inclusive and provide protection for all parties involved. This bill is just one example on how we can modernize laws to make sure we're not leaving any child behind. The trio will also discuss advocacy and how you personally can get involved and make a difference. Thank you for joining us this week on The Family Circle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of The Circle Podcast. Dean Hutchison, for those who don't know, uh, this is my first time doing the hosting job on this podcast, so bear with me. But I'm the Vice President of Legal Services here at Circle And today I'm joined by two amazing colleagues and friends, partners really on the advocacy journey here in Massachusetts and throughout the country with Polly Crozier from GLAAD and Kate LeBlanc from Resolve of New England. Um, And I'll let them introduce themselves after I kind of give you a little background on what we're going to talk about today. So what we want this podcast to be about is, you know, we've done a lot on particularly on parents and on doctors and other specifics to surrogacy or fertility or parenting rights episodes. But what we want to talk about today is how to get involved. You know, you might be so touched by what you're doing in this process of building families that you want to help others. So we're going to talk about very generally overview on how to get involved and how to be an advocate for topics in this area that you'd like to. Uh, And then very specifically about a bill that Kate and Polly and I have been involved for years now on, and that is the Act to Ensure Legal Parentage Equality, also known as the Mass Parentage Act. It is House Bill 1713, sponsored by Representative Sarah Peak and Hannah Kane, and Senate Bill 947, uh, sponsored by Senators Julian Sear and Bruce Tarr. That is pending legislation currently in the Judiciary Committee here in Massachusetts. That's really a way to help all families in Massachusetts establish their parentage rights and um, protect the children born through these different processes and different families types. Um, so with that said, uh, what I want to do is have, I'll have Polly speak first, but Polly, why don't you give the audience just a little background on yourself, how you came to this field and kind of the what you see the importance of advocacy in these areas. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Polly Crozier. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the Director of Family Advocacy at GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders. GLAD works in New England and nationally to promote justice on the basis of sexual orientation, gender identity expression, and HIV status. And I am the Director of Family Advocacy, which means that I do work on youth and family issues in New England and nationally. And I came to GLAD from private practice. I actually had a small firm in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I worked with predominantly LGBTQ families on all aspects of their family creation, family protection, everything they need to make sure their family was safe and secure. So I have been doing this work for many years. I love it both in the private practice space and the advocacy space. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. And I think having worked with clients and working now at GLAD on grassroots coalitions, like the importance of people telling their stories 
of reaching out and connecting with their state legislators. It's so powerful. So I'm really glad to be having this conversation. And Kate, why don't you introduce yourself and your background in this area? Sure. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us on the podcast. And thank you to Circle for being a partner in this from the beginning. As you said, it's been already a journey. We're grateful for your support. So I am Kate Weldon LeBlanc, and my pronouns are she, her, and I am the executive director of Resolve New England, which is an independent nonprofit that is focused on providing support, education, and advocacy to anyone that is struggling with fertility and family building in our beautiful region of New England. Advocacy is very close to my heart, as is our whole mission. Uh, My husband and I struggled with infertility and loss for years, but we are the very proud and grateful parents of a daughter who's 15 after doing IVF. So really grateful to be in this role and really determined to pass the Mass Parentage Act this session. So I'm excited to talk about it today and get people pumped up for advocacy, which is one of my (laughs) favorite things to do. It's an area where you know, I think a lot of the different conferences I go to, we harp on people to just get involved because, as you both said, the personal stories make such a huge impact. And I honestly think my time at Circle, I, I was lucky enough to have my three children didn't need these services, but having a child obviously pushed me towards this career path in family law and family building. And hearing clients' stories of how long they've tried or different losses they've had or thinking you know, our same-sex couples thinking they'd never have their own children. I think it just energizes you. So when we get those people to actually speak, it works wonders in these hearings for these senators and congressmen and representatives that just don't have that personal touch. They haven't they haven't met someone who's gone through this process. So it is great. Now, onto that specific bill we'll talk about now. Polly, why don't you, since you were one of the you know, probably leaders of this coalition initially in the drafting and getting it, why don't you Give a little background on the act to ensure legal parentage equality and why it started and where we are and what the hopes are for it. Absolutely. Oh, there's so much to say. And again, yeah, a tremendous shout out to our lead sponsors this session, Representatives Sarah Peake and Hannah Kane and Senator Julian Sear and Bruce Tarr. They have been really tremendous advocates for the bill throughout its journey. And they're in a leadership role this year in our new revised bill. And I'm thrilled and grateful to them. This effort started many years ago. It's funny, I I started at GLAAD in 2016 and the bill was first filed soon after I got there thanks to the work of a local lawyer who went to her own representative and said, this is a problem. Said, you know, attorney Kathleen Delisle who practices throughout New England and knows just how well um, surrogacy and assisted reproduction, how well the laws can protect those families and those children. And she saw that that wasn't working in Massachusetts because again, we have so few protections. And so she went to her senator, Senator Tarr, and said, you know, we need to fix this. And he understood and he filed a bill. So this bill has been filed in some form since 2017. We have been working very hard since then to really put these protections into place. And every other state in New England since 2017 has passed these protections. Massachusetts is the last holdout. But I think we're feeling really hopeful for this session. So let me tell you a little bit about what the bill does. First of all, the goal of the bill is to say we want every child in Massachusetts to have a clear path to the protections of a legal parent-child relationship because we want to make sure that every child is protected to their parents because those relationships, they're the source of all rights and responsibilities and stability for children. So what this bill does is say, here are the various paths to parentage and here are the court standards to provide clarity for those paths. For instance, through assisted reproduction, children born through surrogacy, 
children born through genetic connection, we want to make sure that we are not leaving any child behind. So it's a really straightforward bill. It's based on the Uniform Parentage Act of 2017, which is a model law that recommends to states that we make sure that we don't discriminate against any child based on the gender, sexual orientation, or marital status of their parents or the circumstances of their birth. So it's really based on a phenomenal template that has been tested and tried in many states in the United States. So I'm really excited for this year's sessions bill, H1713S947, which really brings to Massachusetts law pieces of statute we have never had before. So this will ensure that our parentage statutes are gender inclusive so that we protect LGBTQ families and we protect all families in Massachusetts. It'll make sure we have clear protections for children born through assisted reproduction. It will make sure we have clear protections for everyone involved in the surrogacy process and a really streamlined path to parentage for those families. It will ensure that marital families have access to the administrative route to parentage, which many need the VAP process. It's really going to modernize Massachusetts parentage law and make sure that we're not leaving any child behind. Because at this point, Massachusetts parentage laws are over 40 years old. We've fallen quite far behind. And we've really been a leader in so many ways. And we think this bill is so important to making sure we have that leadership role again in this critical equality area. Yeah. And I think what's important too, Polly, is you know, a lot of people will tell us, well, you already have the case law. You already have the pathway from the majority of these families to establish their parentage rights. Why do you need this bill? I love to always just point them right back to the decisions in those cases that basically tell the legislature, we're doing this because you haven't done anything yet. So please update your laws, number one. But number two, it's we've all seen in practice, it's not the same for everyone. And even though there is potentially a pathway, it's not simple, it's not easy, and it's actually frustrating and hard for a lot of families to get what they need. Oh, absolutely. I have to say, I see all the time examples of why it is better to have clarity in the statutes than to rely on a case. I mean, first and foremost, unfortunately, those cases come out of a lot of litigation and a dispute. What we need is for the legislature to serve their appropriate role of laying out the guideposts so we never have disputes, so that there is clarity, so people can avoid endless disputes and really just have easy access to the courts and to the protections they need. And I think particularly, maybe not in the realm of surrogacy as much as in other areas of parentage law, is you really see some really some scary vulnerabilities when it's not codified in statute. For instance, I represented a client once who was a presumed parent under a case, but because the statute was unclear and didn't protect women as it protected men, the court didn't understand that she was a parent. So her child went into foster care for two years when that never should have happened. And really, when things are kind of written in our law so that everyone can understand and access them, it's a total game changer. And in the realm of surrogacy, I chuckle because you're totally right, right? We had the Culleton case in 2001, and then we had the Daphne case in 2020. For 20 years, the court has been saying, please, this is a policy issue for the legislature. Here's a good guide, the UPA 2017. Just put this down into the statute and everybody's lives will be easier, particularly children. And I think this bill is that groundwork. And I think the other piece, too, which I'd love you to touch on is people think we're insulated because we're in Massachusetts and that even if we don't pass this law, parents will be protected, children will be protected. But I think you can touch on a piece on Glad's work, but 
we're seeing some scary decisions around the country, and particularly in states where you wouldn't expect decisions that are weakening those rights. So why don't you talk to the importance of this law with the environment we're currently in or the atmosphere we're in from an LGBTQ parentage right specifically? Yeah, I think we need these protections in Massachusetts too. I think there are Massachusetts families that are vulnerable, unfortunately, but particularly when you think about leaving Massachusetts, whether you're traveling or whether you are moving to another state. I mean, the national context for LGBTQ families is pretty scary right now. Obviously, people are worried about Justice Thomas in his concurrence to Dobbs saying, essentially saying he wants to get rid of marriage equality. So that's terrifying. But then, yeah, you mentioned we've seen a number of court cases in recent months where the non-genetic parent in an LGBTQ family has had their parentage taken away. Essentially, the marital presumption of parentage has not protected them because they're not a genetic parent. We've seen that in a Pennsylvania case. In a Michigan case, that wasn't a marital presumption case, but it was a case where a child was stripped of their LGBTQ parent because the statutes hadn't been updated. We have seen that, again, in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Oklahoma, and Idaho. And I think the pace is really picking up. And I think it's totally within the power of states like Massachusetts to be clear what our public policy is. And our public policy is and really should be, we're going to protect children and their rights to their family, no matter how they're born. And I think we should do it quickly because I think what we're seeing is really kind of terrifying across the country. And it's totally within our power to fix it. Particularly where we've been leaders in so many other things. It's sad that we're now kind of leading from behind to use that phrase, but that we are the last of our surrounding states and we're behind some states you wouldn't expect this to be behind uh, when it comes to these parentage laws and these rights. Yes. I mean, I'll just touch on that briefly. I will say people are surprised, rightfully so, to hear that Massachusetts is the last state in our region to update their parentage laws, especially because we've been a leader on marriage equality. We've been a leader on fertility care and surrogacy and access We passed our Massachusetts fertility insurance law in 1987. We weren't first, but we were second. And we've always been known as a leader in building families. And so we should similarly be a leader in protecting families. So it is something that we have to rectify this session. It has to happen. It's long overdue. You know, current law in Massachusetts only has one single outdated and gendered line that references assisted reproductive technology as it relates to parentage in any way. And surrogacy is not mentioned at all. So that's just an area that is such a gap in the current statute. But as Polly and you have been saying, Dean, there's many other areas that have just not been clarified. So as a result, without that codification, there's inconsistency, there's confusion, there's delay, there's suffering. It's just the path forward is there for us and we just have to follow it. So I just am eager for us to continue to be a leader in this progressive values that our state has. And I feel like you might know this stat or one of you might know this stat better, that I think one of the things about Massachusetts that's so special is that we are such a hub of reproductive health care. We have some of the most phenomenal healthcare institutions in the country and that people come from throughout the region, if not the world, to, to access that healthcare and that we have the highest percentage of births through assisted reproduction in the entire country. And I think yeah. that's, to me, a reminder of how incredibly important, you know, protecting those children and families is when we are really so many phenomenal institutions and providers in Massachusetts. 
Yeah, and on particularly on the non-genetic piece that you touched on earlier, Polly, is you know, some people will think this bill will only protect LGBTQ parents or same-sex parents, but a lot of heterosexual parents will use an, an egg donor or a sperm, sperm source that's not theirs, and they don't realize that these decisions impact them as well. They're not just impacting the same-sex couple, they're impacting the opposite-sex couple. And I, I've had, you know, in the last year or so, not only multiple same-sex couples asked to do a second parent adoption after completing their parentage rights through a court order, but I've also had hetero couples do the same now that that when they're using a donor source, they want to just make sure they're fully protected because they're not working under statutory protections in the state. So this bill impacts everyone. It protects all children and all families, single, same-sex, opposite-sex couples that are having children this way. So it is very important. You know, we'll spend another year plus getting it done and hopefully getting it done this year. But for the listeners out there, particularly in Massachusetts, what can they do? I don't know if you both want to jump in, but what are some calls to action they can do, whether it's this bill or other bills they might be interested? How can they get involved and how can they assist in, in pushing these rights to our legislators? Advocacy, it can be daunting if you've never done it. You think it's some big, scary thing, but I just have to reassure you that it's part of our job as advocates in this field to make it really quick and easy for you to advocate. But also, I want to just say and reiterate what Dean said earlier, which is just that you don't have to be an expert on any bill, really. It's that you have to share why you care about it because of your personal experience or what your family looks like in the case of this bill. And just that personal outreach to your own state legislators is very powerful because they want to hear from you. They really do. You're their constituent and you are their boss, basically, and they need to hear from you. And usually I will say it's a lovely experience to reach out to these offices. They are mostly going to be in my experience, kind and thoughtful, and at least make a note of your call. So I want to just share a couple really great resources. One is we have an awesome website for our coalition focused on this bill that we're talking about today, which is massparentage.org. And that will show you a lot of information about this bill, including our fact sheet that outlines this fairly complex bill and just a one-pager, which is really helpful. And most importantly for this part of our conversation is that there's a link there where you can actually use an online tool to directly send a message to your own rep and senator asking them to co-sponsor the Mass Parentage Act, which I highly recommend you to do. It makes it super easy. You put in your address and then the message is pre-populated to go to your own legislators. Definitely, you have the opportunity to personalize that message, which I absolutely want you to do. You We don't want them getting exactly the same message from multiple people. We want you, you'll see there's an area where you can add your own family story, which is makes it so much more effective. If you'd rather, or in addition to doing that, if you want to call the office of your own rep and senator, that is also great. So the Massachusetts legislature's website actually has a very quick and easy tool to find out who your own legislators are and who their contact information is kind of a long website, but if you go to mass.gov, you can navigate to it, but it's malegislature.gov backslash search backslash find my legislator. That's a long web address, but once you get there, it's really easy. You just type in your home address and it shows you who your state senator is, who your state rep is. And when you click on each of them, it tells you their contact information. And don't worry, this bill has a lot of co-sponsors, but we want to get more. 
when you have a long list of co-sponsors in both the House and the Senate, it signals to everyone, including the leadership of both houses, this bill has broad-based bipartisan support, which it does in Massachusetts. So we want many co-sponsors. We have a lot already, but we want many more. So that's why we need your advocacy. But don't worry, like if you don't know that your rep and senator may actually already be a co-sponsor, if you don't get a chance to check that and you don't know that, don't worry. No one will be mad. They actually love to be able to write you back and say, guess what? I'm already on it. Or they actually will sometimes be convinced by just your one call or email. I know it sounds crazy, but we have members of our coalition. We have two people who live in the same district. They both reached out to their senator and their rep, and they both signed on from those two contacts, which is so awesome. We have other examples of where it only takes one. So I really encourage you. National Infertility Awareness Week this year is April 23rd to the 29th. And I'm mentioning it just because I'm really excited. This year, the theme is Use Your Voice. And I love that. Obviously, it's very close to our hearts here at Resolve New England. So I just really encourage you, if you're listening to this episode and this resonates with you and your family or people you care about, please contact your own state legislators. It's not your Congress people or your U.S. senators. It's your state rep and your state senator. And it is great to know who they are anyway. Once you look at those websites that I mentioned where you can look them up, write them down, put it on your refrigerator. Like they should be people whose name and even, you know, their photo is there. Like start to get to know them because once you know who they are, you're going to start like spotting them in the grocery store. Polly can speak to that. She's done some advocacy in the produce aisle. Oh my goodness. It's my favorite spot. At Starbucks. Yeah. I've seen mine outside Starbucks and it's not as daunting as it seems. You can really truly just say like, oh, excuse me, rep, I'm your constituent. And if you have a moment, I just want to tell you that there's this great bill, House 1713, that is really important to my family. And I would love to see your name there as a co-sponsor. And that's literally sometimes as quick as it can be. It can be in the produce aisle. Right. And this is a kind of bill they love too, because it doesn't cost a dime to the state to enact this bill. So it doesn't have budgetary issues. I think the more and more you know, you speak, I, I happen to have my two reps and you know, when bringing it up to them, you know, they share their own personal stories on fertility issues or family members that had fertility issues and why this is important to them. So, you know, be vocal, tell your story, get it out there. I, I think it's only going to help. We're getting closer and closer every time we file this. And hopefully this is the one that works. But the more voices we have in support, the better. It is a great bill. And I would say folks should also feel free to join the coalition. I know that Kate shared the website where you can sign up for to get information about the bill because we will help and support individuals, families, organizations as this bill moves through the process. It's one of the things I love about the coalition that it is so many families. So many people like you who have struggled to build their families, who are looking for protections, for whatever reason, they're in the coalition. And it's a wonderful group of people. And we keep people updated for when we want you to reach out to co-sponsors. When is the hearing where you might be able to email in testimony? When do we have a rally day where we might want you to show up on Beacon Hill if you can and bring your beautiful children or what have you and raise your voice directly within the state house? There's so many different opportunities to engage. So join the coalition and we'll share those with you. Yeah. And and we're usually boring when we're on panels. So it's nice to have a child or, you know, a teenager who can talk about their experience or parents who've used ART and needed to. It's always a a kind of refreshing change than 
the lawyer or the uh, the lobbyist that's speaking on behalf. It's lovely to see and hear those stories. It kind of it energizes us too as the advocates to to see the people that this will, you know, could have benefited, but they're pushing it out there to benefit to help others and get the benefit out to families in the future. I feel like that's one of the great things about my job is, you know, I'm glad we have an intake line. And so I talk to a lot of families who are LGBTQ or often not LGBTQ who are, you know, questions about access to fertility health care, questions about adoption, questions about surrogacy. So literally almost to a person, the people I talk to want to help other people. They want to help people not have to go through the struggles they went through. They want to give back. And I always encourage them to join our work, Resolves Work, because yeah, these personal stories, wanting to give back, it is so accessible. And I think it is just a phenomenal feeling. And I've seen it in action. I mean, it's funny in my field. So I do mostly the surrogacy law piece. And our surrogates, when they tell you why they're being surrogates, a lot of them have that same kind of answer that they've seen people go through these struggles and they want to help other people because they had kind of easy pregnancies, didn't mind being pregnant. But we had a bill, South Dakota, that was going to try and outlaw surrogacy a couple of years back and they didn't have anyone to testify against the bill. And we kind of just reached out to a bunch of our former surrogates. And you know, in 24 hours, there was four or five women who had carried pregnancies for other families speaking at the South Dakota Senate hearing to say, everything you're saying about surrogates is wrong. <laughs> everything you're talking about us is wrong. And this is why we did this. So you shouldn't pass this bill because it does help so many people out there. So you know, use that voice, get it out there. And, you know, you can reach out directly to me at Circle too if you have any of these questions, particularly on this bill or any other bills that are out there. We're happy to put you in touch with people to kind of push those advocacy efforts here and around the country too. Yeah, um, just shout out for our website too. Our website is resolvenewengland.org. And we have a page for each New England state on our website under advocacy for what we're doing in each state. And we have a lot of bills we're supporting in Massachusetts the Mass Parentage Act being top of the list, but we have several others that we care about. So they're there as well as usually on each of those pages, a little bit about how you can take action if bills interest you. So, And I wanted to share that obviously GLAD does a lot of legislative work. We do litigation as well. And we also do a lot of public education. And on our website, we try to provide resources for families who might have questions about how to protect their children or what are the existing laws in their state as we move through and try to update and increase equality. So folks should feel free to access our website too for some just kind of basic education and information on the status of the law. Thank you so much, Holly and Kate. I know we'll be in touch a lot in the next couple of weeks and months and hopefully not years, but hopefully for other <laughs> reasons and years. It's always been a pleasure working side by side with both of you. Kate, this is our first podcast, but I think we've done a Insta Live already. So we got to find some other social media format to go next. Find all the mediums. <laughs> uh, Interpretive dance will be the last one. Thank you all for listening. And as we said, if you can and you want to, definitely get involved. We'd love your support on this bill. But for any other thing that is close to your heart, some type of bill that's there, it's easy once you make that first step to, to help out. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We will be putting all links mentioned in the episode in the show notes so that you have access to those. And if you're looking for more information about Circle Surrogacy, we are at circlesurrogacy.com and at Circle Surrogacy on social media platforms. 
Thanks again. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next time.